Welcome to part three here on Lockdown Wounds Basketball of our 2020 WNBA free agency preview. If you're listening to this, hopefully you made it through parts one and two already. Part one, Howard Megdahl and I discussed potential landing spots for Duana Bonner and Skylar Diggins-Smith, as well as free agent outlooks for LA and Las Vegas. Part two with Natalie Heverin, we covered the Connecticut Sun and Angel McCautry, and some potential paths for her, as well as the sky with Howard. And here in part three, we're going to cover everybody else and the many free agents that may that we uh, feel may be fits and some of the, the key players that these teams are going to look to retain. Uh, let's go to Minnesota. Uh, Rachel Galligan also had a report that RC Sims is considering not playing this season. And it, I think it's interest and Maya Moore, of course, uh, announced with the New York Times she will not play in 2020. Mm -hmm. I think that's very interesting to fold in with this idea of them chasing a star, possibly being Skylar Diggins-Smith in a sign-and-trade, or Dewana Bonner just pointing to the obvious because she's also another big name. I think it's interesting because, one, you know, Skylar gives them, I think, what they need, someone who can get in the lane from the guard spot, or Bonner if you just get the best available talent. I think that becomes fascinating because they would be a huge team, which would just be interesting to watch. Bonner would be interesting. Don't rule out Angel McCautry either. Uh, someone who Cheryl has experience with at USA Basketball. My understanding as of now is that Minnesota is not in on Skyler, uh, mostly because it's a difficult thing to match up with uh, Dallas uh, as of right now. Uh, but they've got a similar issue to what we talked about with Vegas, but some more flexibility in that you are going to have to run your offense through Sylvia Fowles. And I say have to, not because it's some limitation, but quite the contrary. When you've got Sylvia Fowles, you run your offense through her because she's Sylvia Fowles. But they don't have the similar issue at the four because they were both proactive, uh, first with Rebecca Brunson, and then by bringing in Demiris Dantes and working with her to improve her three-point shooting. And so between Dantes and Stephanie Talbot, you know, they have – the type of flexibility where you can surround her with shooters. But yeah, do you need another offensive creator? You sure do. And so if it's not going to be Skyler, uh, then either Angel or Dewana Bonner just make a lot of sense. And the one thing I think you had to take away from last season is, you know, I, without, I mean, getting into the superlatives is silly judging coaching from the outside is so difficult, but like a show reef team is going to get like its best players in positions to get to work from their best areas. So if you're going to talk about Angel McCautry as an option there, um, you know, I think you'd look, I think you'd look there. It, it'd be, you, I mean, you brought up the even, I kind of liked the, what they did with their offense last year, all things considered, but you mentioned that they still weren't getting up a ton of threes. I think you'd kind of look at basically the Nafisa Collier playbook that we saw from them last year, although Angel can do more with the ball in her hands right now. But between those, you know, between those two names, it, it, it might get tricky, but I guess, you know, if I'm going to say, if I'm going to say LA has to consider, you know, adding a, a, a big talent, I guess I can't, you know, go back on that and say something different for well, Minnesota. Well, let's talk about Angel too in Minnesota. So Angel is a big personality. 
to go along with her big talent. And so if you're thinking about who's a coach who could handle that, well, Cheryl Reeve. I mean, if you're not listening to Cheryl, I don't know who you're listening to in this game. And so the idea that if anyone can talk to Angel, Angel's going to have to figure out whether she's willing in her 30s to be a supporting player on a team that has a chance to win it all rather than a number one option. And Cheryl's been through this with Simone Augustus. Cheryl got Simone to fully buy in and become part of a bigger team. And look, depending on whether Simone comes back or not, Simone herself could be part of that process and that conversation as well. And I hope she does because, first of all, you always hope to see Simone Augustus play basketball. Second of all, she's, I don't know, top five among WNBA locker room interviews. She's certainly near the top. And so I selfishly want to see her back uh, for the own, for the work that I do. Uh, but it's a real opportunity. Yeah. And this, this team has a bunch of wings and that's not a bad thing, but they have enough of them where you also kind of wonder if, if there's a move for them to make, because a lot of teams could use one of those players. Mm-hmm. And especially if Sims doesn't play, um, they're going to really need someone who can get into the lane You've got Nafisa Collier, who's you're locking in as a starter. You've got Kareem of Christmas Kelly, who they gave a big deal to last season. You've got Cecilia Zandalassini, Augustus, as you mentioned, Steph Talbot, and Lexi Brown. So it, it's that like those are a lot of those are a lot of names, and that I I wonder if they they might almost have to do something there just to bring in another guard. I, I think Lexi Brown needs more time. On the court, by the way, uh, you know, is a legit two-way player, somebody who excels at getting into passing lanes and getting steals and deflections, which is something uh, Cheryl charts deflections. So that's significant in and of itself. And merely getting her more of what were Danielle Robinson's shots will make them a more efficient team next year. Yeah, the question, the 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 question with with Robinson, I think was. You know they stuck with her as a starter last year, and and the what they were defensively with her next to Odyssey Sims, that's a clear strength. Mm-hmm. But I just and as a high minute starter, I just I just didn't see it for them long term if they want to compete with D Rob out there. So we'll see if there's a market for her, or maybe she just comes back as a strict backup. Uh, I, I'm with you on Brown, like she's. She's already of the level of player where like you're you're running plays and she's like running off screens. She can make like really tough threes. And that's that's a really valuable thing to have. She's talented, she's skilled, she's super smart. Lexi Brown. Lexi, I, I mean, she was a steal in the draft for Connecticut, and then Minnesota was able to steal her uh in a trade because you know it was time for her to go. And she was what, the third string point guard at that point. Lexi Brown has been underutilized so far. I, I have loved her game since uh, since I saw her play at Duke. Lexi Brown, I, give her a chance. I, yeah. I wanted to make a Connecticut joke. You ruined it by bringing them up first. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so Minnesota, we'll see if they go after a big name. Other than that, it kind of looks like you're, you know, you're, ret- you're returning a, a maybe a middle of the pack playoff team. Are you, are you reading that any differently? I don't know. They'll, they'll have a year of continuity under Cheryl. 
you, you know, I, I, I refuse to underestimate what the Minnesota Lynch are capable of doing uh, a franchise that consistently uh, outperforms what is reasonable to expect for them on paper. I expect her to be extremely active in free agency and I am interested to wait and see. I mean, look at it this way. They got arguably the best player in the rookie class last year with the sixth overall pick. They have a similar slot this year in this year's draft. Uh, can they find themselves another star? Is that something that happens? Do they find that in free agency? There's a lot of flexibility that goes along with their cap uh, picture as of right now, not to mention going forward. I I am very much in a wait-and-see attitude about them. And we didn't even talk about Jessica Shepard, who can come back healthy. Yeah, take, take, your, take your victory laugh on Shepard. <laughs> Listen, I, I've, been, I've been talking about Jessica Shepard as a WNBA mainstay since she was a freshman at Nebraska. And you could see it, uh, best outlet passer in the league. Right now, best outlet passer in the league. And was from the moment she got there. Uh, it'll be a healthy Jessica Shepard coming back. It'll be interesting to see. I'd love to see, love to see something like a Collier Shepard combination uh, in some of these, some of these offensive uh, setups they have. Yeah. And I'll, my last thing on them is I, like, I guess maybe, maybe I should be more specific. I said mid tier, you know, I, I could see them, you know, four seed that mm-hmm. range, maybe three, you know, one, you know, one, just if, you know, if Collier comes back in year two and is just doing more stuff offensively, that's a big deal for them. That could come in a few different ways. And also, I think Minnesota is in an interesting position with, you know, the, their pick is sixth overall. It's not in the lottery, but if I think if Christer Dan- Crystal Dangerfield falls to them, that becomes a really interesting fit to help them right away with how she can shoot it off the dribble. Shoot it off the dribble and can stretch the floor. It's not just that she hits threes. You know, she's very comfortable shooting it from 25, 26 feet out. And, you know, the lawn three is something that I think is going to continue to be an added weapon when it comes to spacing on the floor and how defenses need to respond to it. And it's going to be a weapon for her. It's been a weapon, obviously, for Diana Tarazi for her entire career. But she was kind of singular in that for a long period of time. That's no longer the case. Kelsey Mitchell is another player who does that uh, quite a bit. There are players who are able to shoot the ball from anywhere. And in the same way that it makes a difference on the NBA side with Trey Young, it is by no means limited to a Trey Young, Steph Curry, NBA skill. It is happening on the WNBA side every bit as much, and it makes a difference. Absolutely. Now to the team that defeated Minnesota in the first round, the Seattle Storm. Brianna Stewart is back. She's made her... First game back, first game, or she made her return to the court against UConn in that Team USA exhibition. Stewart, right? (laughs) And uh, I'll just I'll just set you up here, kind of paint the picture for what they're looking to do with their off season because you uh, you had some news to share this morning, as I understand it. Well, this morning we broke that Sue Bird, who I've also heard of, and I think you probably have heard of as well, uh, point guard type is coming back in 2020. Uh, that's obviously not shocking news, but it's great news for Seattle. You know, she could have in a different situation 
potentially wanted to go home. The Syosset native could have wanted to go to New York, didn't even take a meeting with the Liberty, and came back because she's very happy in Seattle. Uh, she gets to play alongside Brianna Stewart, who was the best player in the world when we last saw her. And, you know, she was at about, you know, 70% was what one WNBA uh, front office uh, figure talked about seeing her first game back. Uh, but she's ahead of schedule. <clears throat> she has several months in order to get back to 100%. If anyone's going to do it, it's Brianna Stewart. It's not going to be based on work ethic. It's going to be making sure that her body responds to it. She's coming back from a difficult injury, uh, but she's doing so in such a way that she's younger and it gives her the best chance to be able to maximize what she is. And what she is is one of the great players we've ever seen enter the WNBA, somebody whose basketball IQ matches her otherworldly talent and her seven foot one wingspan and her ability to shoot the ball from anywhere and her ability to uh, rim protect while also defend out to the three point line. It's insane. Uh, basketball was poorer for not having Brianna Stewart in the league last year and is richer for being able to see her again. And like I said, in the same way, when Elena Deladon comes to town, you see her. Brianna Stewart comes to town. You make sure you see her. And what it does for Seattle is it gives them the opportunity to have kept the band together from 2018 and turn around. And, you know, they've got $802,000 in committed money already before you get to Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird uh, getting uh, justified raises. And so that limits what they do in free agency, to be sure. But that's not necessarily a problem. Yeah, I think you're looking at, you know, right now you can look at a second unit of Jordan Canada, Sammy Wickham, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, Crystal Langhorn, Mercedes Russell, a group they're already pretty familiar with. I mean, that's ridiculous, by the way. Can we just point out, like, that is your second unit? That is a playoff team as a first unit. (laughs) It's it, it yeah the and well and, and going back to Dan Hughes's first year they were you know he was willing to let five player bench units play together mm-hmm. um, and so Not just if willing, you look by at, the way Dan talked about it Dan Dan yeah. Hughes continuity is vital and getting those players comfortable and familiar with each other I mean listen Dan did an amazing job in 2018 and I would argue did a potentially even better job in 2019 where they were fighting he was fighting his own. Uh, his own disease, you're without Sue, you're without Stewie, and you turn around and that team becomes a playoff team? Holy cow. Yeah, so that's that, with that as your 10, you're in a pretty good spot. You've got the number seven pick to add to that. And you Hopefully got somebody coming over, by the way, let's not forget. Has that, has that been announced anywhere formally? Not been announced formally. That was uh, certainly the plan. That is my understanding is the expectation. For Seattle at that point, you add your number seven pick, sign her on a rookie deal, boom, go to war. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. you know, um, uh, Alicia Valvanis can uh, relax. <laughs> Not that she will. She's always looking to make this team better, but she can if she wanted to, but she won't. No, if 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 Ezzy's coming over, I think you're right. I think that that's probably just about it. That's boom. their 12. and they're, they're locked and loaded. Yeah, exactly. And Lord help the league. Listen, what we need 
what basketball needs and deserves, what America needs and deserves, is a healthy Elena Deladon and the Mystics taking on a healthy Brianna Stewart in the Seattle Storm. We need to see it. These two generational talents, you know, Jordan versus Bird for this time, you know, it can and should be that for the next five years. And it should elevate the WNBA in that way. And and I say that not to dismiss the numerous other teams that have an opportunity. I mean, let's not uh, exclude John Paul Jones and the opportunity out of that. But my God, there's so many similarities. There's so many th- ways in which those two can and should do battle. And we shouldn't have had a 2018 finals that was Elena playing through a very difficult injury. We shouldn't have had Elena having to fight uh, the injury she did in 2019, you know, three, three bulging discs in her back. We, we need a healthy Elena. We need a healthy Stewie. End of rant. One million. Yeah. <laughs> One million percent. So we're, we've gone pretty long here already. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be a little more brief here on these, on our last couple of teams here. And I'll, uh, I'll basically just set you up and we'll, we'll move through these last teams here. Sure. But Phoenix, Phoenix, the last uh, playoff team we'll get to, we talked about Duana Bonner quite a bit already mentioned that Brittany Griner's cord. It's if they, if they, man, if it's, it might be a big if with what we know now, but if, if they keep Bonner around, it's just, you're looking at it as, Hey, we, we can maybe just pick off where we left off in 18. Mm-hmm. And if not it, but you know, I'll, I will never fault them for, as you mentioned, Jim Pittman saying, like, we're just going to ride it out with Diana. And that's that's exactly right. That's what they should do. I remember Mike, uh, Mike D'Antoni was asked about his minutes with Jeremy Lin. And his answer was, I'm going to ride him like secretariat. And that's what Phoenix has done for the career of Diana Tarazi. And rightly so. And I'm glad they did. I'm glad we've gotten the chance to see as much Diana Taurasi as possible. And they should continue to do that for as long as she wants to play. If she wants to play in 2032, they should build around her as a 50-year-old Diana Taurasi. And I expect to see her on the Olympic team as well. And and they they are helping themselves a little bit with folding in some younger players. They're sitting mm-hmm. on number five. Mm-hmm. Sophie Cunningham can help them out on the wing, even if they lose Essence Carson. Sophie's a legit player. She is a legit WNBA player. Nobody can doubt that at this point. Yeah. Huge year coming up for Lana Smith. And and Brianna Turner gave him good minutes last year, even starting with Brittany Griner. That's kind of an important look to show that they can – they have they have a body there that you they know, can put up front. PG. You know, Bella Allery is a player I am extremely high on. I made that very clear in my mock drafts and the way I've written about her as well. And I've had a chance to get live looks. And I think she's going to be a star in this league. Phoenix at number five might have a chance to draft her, but they may be one of the few teams that wouldn't have a need because of Smith. And so a lot of it comes down to, after seeing Smith play for a year, how much they believe in her. And that'll be a really interesting hinge point, I think, for this uh, WNBA draft. Well, and then I'll, I'll, I'll sneak in one more fake trade with you then, because I had, I had thought about this. Bring it. Bring the fake if trade. I've, I've, done, I've done the math, too, so it would get very difficult, but it can work. Skylar Diggins-Smith to Phoenix. Hmm. 
you throw in so so if you pick one between Smith and if if this stretches to draft day, if Allery falls there, if you send one of them, you know, because maybe Dallas drafts Kennedy Carter. So maybe one more front court player is appealing to them. And like next year's first, again, if, if there just isn't a ton of competition, like, you know, just, just throwing it out there. I'm not trying to go so analytical on you guys, on to those listening. But if Dallas drafts Kennedy Carter and they have Arike, already um you know i i looked at this deep dive every possession last year in synergy and i determined that there's one ball (laughs) yeah that's all i got to say about that (laughs) yeah it was that was chocked full of conditionals but it's just fair enough it's not a crazy idea except kennedy carter and enrique gumbawale it's a waste of both of them, and or if or if Dallas takes Satu Sabli, maybe that's that's a if it, yeah. Well, Sabli is the second best player in this draft right now. I, I I don't. They love Lauren Cox, and and Lauren Cox has a real bright future. But you know, watching Sabli, Sabli was running the offense for much of that win over UConn last Monday. Sabli is built with a WNBA body on day one when she walks in and she's got six, four length. Uh, Sabali, if she comes out, uh, they got a decision to make at number two. Yep. So let's go to the New York Liberty. They've got their new head coach in Walt Hopkins. And as far as their roster goes, it, it, I think it, you know, my, it's easy for me to go short on them. My whole piece is it's it's easy, financially speaking, for them to bring back all of their main rotation players, and I think that seems like the right thing for them to try to do. What they've done in the past is they have lacked a point guard, first and foremost. Uh, the number I always go back to with the Liberty is that last year, the two worst turnover percentages in the league by far Nobody else was north of 25. There were two players north of 30. They were Brittany Boyd and Tanisha Wright, who were the overwhelming majority of point guard minutes for the Liberty last year. So you had Sabrina Ionescu, which, like, unless the earth crashes into the sun, you know, the the actual sun, not the Connecticut sun, uh, Sabrina Ionescu will be the number one overall pick and go to the New York Liberty. You've solved their biggest problem. You haven't solved all their problems, but you've solved their biggest problem. I believe you need a backup point guard who takes care of the ball as well. Uh, I enjoy many of the stylings of Brittany Boyd. I do. And she's a tremendous defensive player, gets steals in bunches, a lot of energy. But she's been there for five years, and she still makes – the wrong call on one-on-four fast breaks. She still makes the wrong call too often as the point guard. And I think she can't be. And I don't know that you can use her as an off guard in a rotation when she still doesn't shoot the three the way you need a guard to do in this league, especially somebody who isn't running the offense. 
And so to my mind, Laser Clarendon makes a lot of sense as an addition to this team, somebody who takes care of the ball, a veteran presence who understands what is necessary to win in this league. So something I'd love to see is a Unestro-Laser-Clarendon combination there. Now, that said, there are solutions to some of the other issues right in-house. Johannes getting more minutes uh, is key. Rebecca Allen shot 42% from three last year. Rebecca Allen, who's, by the way, a rim protector, a rim protector at the three. She's somebody who should have been a 30-minute-per-game player, to my mind, as long as she's been with the Liberty. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, Walt wants to shoot more threes while she was by far the most efficient, and he let her do it. Uh, Kian Ursh should probably be a starter at the three. Asia Durr, do not give up on Asia Durr. Asia Durr played injured last year. Asia Durr did something really similar freshman year at Louisville and then turned around and became Asia Durr. Uh, a lineup, a large amount of lineups that feature Durr, Kia Nurse, and Ionescu as a three-guard set. Uh, you have Allen stretching at the four and uh, Tina playing some five is something you can do. A lot of lineups that go bigger and Rebecca Allen's your three. And you have Nurse or you have Asia Durr at the two. And you've got Tina at the four. And you've got Zowie B at the five. Zowie B, who is an absolutely legitimate number one option at the five. That is key. You do the same thing with Han Shu, who can stretch the floor as a five. And who absolutely needs to get more of an opportunity to show what she's capable of doing. There are a lot of upside plays on this New York Liberty team. And so I agree with you almost entirely. I just think just Ionescu and you're done, I don't think is enough. I think you need to fix uh, the point guard minutes for all 40 of them. Yeah, Lays Lays would be a good candidate there because Sabrina can play off the ball Mm -hmm. and Lays can guard guard bigger wings. Yeah, that's a great point, right? You can put the two of them together. Exactly. But yeah, as but in 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 uh, practice, probably more of a backup because of all the names you mentioned. They need to play Johannes, Durr, Allen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nurse. But yeah, that'd be a that'd be a good team for her. Who's a bigger bargain than Rebecca Allen at eighty one six next year? Eighty one six. I mean, who's a bigger bargain? Maybe Sammy Whitcomb. He's living his yeah. in the league, but short of that, eighty one six. Yeah. Another team with a new head coach, the Indiana Fever, hired Marianne Stanley. Mm-hmm. They've got Victoria Vivians coming back off an ACL tear. They've got Candace Dupree, Natalie Chanwa still under contract, along with Tierra McCowan inside. Yeah, almost They've everyone's got- still under contract, by the way. That's what's interesting about Indiana. Yep. Um, yeah. You, you know, I, I didn't mean to jump in. I just, you know, Marianne even talked about this uh, when I spoke to her in podcast a few weeks ago. They love who they've got. This was not a team that needed a shakeup. You know, Pote gets uh, fired after the end of a year where they looked like one of the eight best teams by the end of the year. I watched them final weekend in New York. They looked like a team that had figured it out. And so you've got McCowan in year two, an absolute monster, an absolute monster. Kelsey Mitchell still on a rookie deal. They're bringing almost everyone back. And like you said, you add Vivian's 
uh, who's back and healthy. You got Kennedy Burke, who they wisely didn't just sign to a rest of season contract. They signed her through 2022. Uh, you know, hopefully that Shanice Johnson uh, can have some good health in her knees because she is extremely helpful and useful for this team. Uh, but this is a team that looks ready to challenge for a playoff spot. They remind me so much of Chicago a year ago. Yeah, I was a, I was a bit of a McCown skeptic and I was, I was proven wrong. And I've, I've said as much, I'm willing to, uh, to concede that, you know, I was, I was a little too skeptical of, of how well she'd, she'd finish around the rim because as it turns out, she's having just as easy of a time putting people it's in the goal. Absurd. I mean, you can't, which, uh, which makes your life much easier trying to finish. She reminds me, I, I, you know, just to go back to like another NBA, WNBA comp, the reason why I'm doing it is there were people who said, you know, look, she's able to get to the basket at will, but coming to the next level, athleticism is going to be less of an advantage. And my feeling about it was, and I mean, to my own, I'm wrong about plenty, just to be clear. But my feeling with McCowan was, no, it, she's so big. She's so big, it's going to be a difference maker at the next level. In the same way that Zion Williamson, people, oh, athleticism, you get to the NBA and it'll be, well, no, Zion Williamson has such an advantage in physical uh, athleticism that it's just not going to matter. It's going to be a difference maker at the next level. And that's, that's where McCowan is. But multiple teams who did not have the number one pick last year and McCowan number one on the draft board. Yeah, it's uh, it's working out quite well for them. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they've not many free agents, as you mentioned. They've got two wings, but Nigel Laney, Tiffany Mitchell, both restricted free agents. I, I have kind of wondered if Shanice Johnson could be a trade candidate just because maybe a winner uh, or a more certain playoff team might be interested in her services, but with her these last couple of years with her knee, it's probably just too much of a risk it for is. someone to take I, her on at this point. The only positive is she's at one hundred and six thousand for twenty twenty, which is not the number that it was prior to the new CBA being signed, and she's a free agent after that. So maybe you take a chance the way LA did with Rakrana Williams, um, you know, who was signed to a two year deal of all things after that by Penny. Like a nice parting gift, but she's somebody who would add to a locker room as well. But the fever may want her for just that reason as well. And somebody who has some experience, who knows how to win. Uh, Shanice Johnson, you know, is a delight as a person, I will say as well. So I, I could see keeping her around and you got her voice in that locker room to go along with Candace Dupree and uh, they can, help Marianne guide them to where they need to go. I, I think Marianne's very capable of doing that. Yeah. And I've, I'm looking at their draft this way. Sitting number three. If Satu Sabali enters this draft, they can get their four of the future. Either Satu, mm-hmm. if she ends up falling there, or Lauren Cox. Or Bella Allery. I mean, there, there are... Or Allery, yeah. yeah. Allery absolutely would fit on this team, too. In, Indiana is set up. They are set up. And between, you know, between Marianne, who knows how to get it done, uh, Tamika Catchings knows a thing or two about basketball. <laughs> I mean, this, I, I would be extremely bullish on Indiana Fever future. Uh, it was interesting to me when Skyler was talking to me and she said that Indiana had not yet reached out 
Well, I wouldn't mind seeing that too. You want to talk about a combination of some young players. You had Skylar Diggins Smith. You let her come home to Indiana. You know, free babysitting. She's got family there in South Bend. <laughs> yeah. It's take, that, take well, that, I'm, now. I'm just a I'm just a lowly journalist, but free babysitting it's a big deal. Saturday night, you want to go out. That's a sales pitch. Yeah, win a championship, with, and you have Saturday night with your husband. What's not to like? With that, it's just what's the deal? If I'm Dallas, I'd love to have Victoria Vivian's mm-hmm. Indiana. There's no reason to trade her. So then it's got to probably got to be one of the point guards and. Those skill sets can help Dallas, but it's just does it does Indiana feel convicted to move on that? I mean, Eric, Erica Wheeler next to Arike makes a lot of sense too. You could absolutely make that work. Yeah. So let's move on to those Dallas Wings. We've talked plenty about Diggins Smith possibilities. She was cord. So the nat- the natural move there will be to wait on a sign and trade to see if that happens. Glory Johnson, who we mentioned, is an unrestricted free agent. Isabel Harrison is reserved. Amani Stafford is a restricted free agent. So Dallas can retain both of those players quite easily. Mm-hmm. And then some lower-end rotation possibilities. Brooke McCarty-Williams, Megan Gustafson, Carly Samuelson are unrestricted. So for Dallas, it, it's one, it's a really important year for Kayla Davis and Alicia Gray and for the team to decide what are these players and what do they mean to our future before they look for raises as restricted free agents next off season, along with Mariah Jefferson in that same boat who did not play at all last season. So what are you looking for? Let's just start with, with those three names and how they might fit in with what Dallas is trying to put together. So I mean, this as respectfully as possible, but the real question is, what is the plan? What is the plan? You know, this this yeah. Dallas Wings team, when you think in a macro sense, a few years ago, the plan was you build around Liz Tambage, and rightly so. And then Liz wants out. And, 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 and I say this not as a criticism of Greg Bibb and Brian Adler, quite the contrary, because you're, you're susceptible to the players that are willing to play for you. And so when Liz wanted out, all right, so now you got to build around Skylar Diggins Smith. And that made sense too. She's an Olympian and she's a star player. Skylar Diggins Smith wants out. So now you just went up and down that roster. Is Arike the star you're building around? Okay. Okay. That's fine. But now you've got to plan a team accordingly. And so things like we were talking about before, you, you can't bring in Kennedy Carter to that team that you're building around Enrique as the star. It doesn't make any sense. Can you bring in Lauren Cox? Yeah, that makes more sense. Is, a, is an Enrique Lauren Cox base enough to build around and ultimately win over the next, let's say, window that would be their rookie deals and beyond? That's a question Dallas has to answer. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody does. And part of the reason why we don't know the answer to that is because Lauren Cox is still getting healthy. Uh, if it's not Lauren Cox, is it Satu? Does Satu work with the Rike? <laughs> sure does. And you give yourself a point guard uh, who allows Rike to operate off the ball a little bit as well. That's a way you could go. But that's a really young team. That team is what? A couple of years away. And then all the players you just mentioned, you know, is Mariah 
a great fit next to Arike? She sure is. Does Mariah have the good health to be able to do it? Mariah Jefferson is a top 15 player in this league when she's healthy. But she hasn't been healthy for a couple of years. So that is an open question. That's something that needs to be answered in 2020 and something that they have to figure out. But you're right. They have to make these decisions on people like Kayla Davis and Alicia Gray as far as whether they are part of the future. And are they part of the future? Well, it goes back to that question. What is the plan? They've got to figure that out. And, and I, I don't know what it is at this point. And I'm not sure that we're going to know after 2020. But by the way, Azrae Stevens is another example of somebody who could potentially be blocked by a lot of what Lauren Koch does. Christina Nidway, who they absolutely stole from Connecticut uh, for reasons <laughs> we could get into at a different point. But uh, trading uh, Teresa Plaisance, who I love, but you know, was obviously not a future building block. She was someone of the present for Connecticut. Well, they just got a Christina Needway, a tremendous talent on a rookie contract. Well, in Needway and Lauren Cox overlap in a lot of ways, as does Azaree Stevens, as does, by the way, the refashioned on the fly Megan Gustafson, who turned herself from preseason, somebody who clearly wasn't prepared to contribute at the WNBA level, into one of the most efficient rookies across the board by the end of the year. What is the plan? Do you know what the plan is, Ben? I don't know what the plan is. I don't know if I made that clear. Well, it's it's fitting that you went in. It's fitting that you went into a a longer answer there and steered it that way because I don't know why I started how I did. Taylor Hill, Alicia Gray, Kayla Davis. It's simple. Just go perform. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the thing for them. I the plan. The plan is okay. Let's well we'll have to we'll have to reconvene on Kennedy Carter because I think we're of very different minds on that. So that'd be an interesting okay. That'd be an interesting conversation as more of a draft podcast maybe. Mm-hmm. But so. Yeah, I mean, Satu, I think, is easy with her skill level. It's it's easy to see that. If they go with Cox, the plan, I think you have you have four building blocks. Arike, Kayla Thornton, Azrae Stevens, Lauren Cox. If you plug in a really good shooter, mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's that can be a thing. That can be a real team. Now, and, and, and let's not lose sight. Kayla Thornton, I feel like, gets lost in the shuffle because... She does all these things that a team needs. Like every team is going to need a Kayla Thornton for as long as she's suiting up. So yes, in a way that you say, all right, well, how do these people fit? Kayla Thornton's going to fit no matter what the plan is. Yeah, it it I, I think they do need her to take a little bit a little bit further of a step with the th- shooting the three, especially if she is playing the three. Yes, with point. this idea. I but agree. but the one thing, even with this plan, if you draft Lauren Cox especially if you have the option to take Satu and take her over her and maybe thinking a little leaning more with the local angle and Satu possible, by the way, you know, if people are going crazy over Satu, like I think everyone that's doing that needs to remember what if she has these commitments to her national team moving forward and you have Emma Misaman kind of seasons where she's gone. Like I, don't care. I think people I don't just care. People she, that level <laughs> of talent. You got it. Oh, I, listen, oh, okay. There, there are but, people who aren't the Liberty who have Satu number one on their draft boards. There are teams that would take Satu over Sabrina Ionescu if they had the opportunity. They're not going to have the opportunity because the Liberty's not going to trade their pick. But I'm just saying that's the level of player she is. 
And she might, by the way, stick around. You might have her as a senior next year in Oregon, uh, around five of the top 25 players in the freshman class. People like playing for Kelly Graves, and I don't blame them. I'd like to play for Kelly Graves. That sounds like fun. Who wouldn't want to play for Kelly Graves? Yeah. So two things before I had the thing I wanted to get to on Cox. But one, I, I still yeah, I still think Satu might be the right pick for them. Mm-hmm. But like it just you just have to consider, like, you know, you're gonna have to do with the fan base. What? Is she is she gone this year? Is she playing with Germany at Eurobasket? Like you have to consider that possibility, which I just think people, most people are just glancing over, which like it's some small thing. And and by and two, like when I hear the stuff like, oh, we would have this player number one on our draft board. I just kind of roll my eyes at that stuff sometimes because like, okay, but you're not picking number one. So it doesn't really matter. You might just be saying that. Here's why it matters. Well, listen, people could just be saying it, but uh, people I trust to be straight with me. Um, I'm saying it. And the reason why it's useful is every WNBA team has not just what we see, but proprietary information uh, of a statistical nature of the due diligence to be able to determine it. So I think that's useful currency. It's not be all and end all, but I think it's useful currency in determining a player's worth in the eyes of WNBA talent evaluators. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not totally, I'm not trying to crap all over it, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, if I, if I, I picked, right. if I picked, if I picked seven through 12, yeah. Oh yeah. I had an Afisa Collier number one on my draft board. I don't know right. what they were doing. Right. Right. No, um, in much, in much the same way, I could turn around and be like, you know, look, I, I would sign with the Seattle Storm because the restaurant scene in Seattle is terrific. It doesn't really matter because the Storm are not going to sign me for lots of reasons. Yeah. Because I'm so, about to turn 40 and I'm a man and I am terrible at basketball. So my last thing on Dallas was just, okay, Cox and Stevens, interesting, really long. I think they could be good enough mm-hmm. on, the re- on the boards. Azure, I think, has enough shooting already where I think that kind of would mask up. I think one of the, one of the things that's gone on said about Cox is like, sure. She might get there as a shooter, but she hasn't shown a lot. That's like, yeah, she's going to be a big threat away from the ball. I'm, I'm bullish but, on it just because both the free throw shooting and uh, just, just shooting mechanics, uh, her, her ability to do it when she's been asked to, to an extent. Uh, I, I do think that, um, Baylor's ability to add three-point shooters has altered this year what was going to be the plan uh, for uh, for that uh, team and for Kim Multi, uh, which was to have her become a higher volume scorer. Also, her injury has done that, uh, but I do. I, I think she has the opportunity to be uh, a legit three-point uh, scorer on a regular basis in this league. Yeah, and and I say that because, you know, She's not, I don't think she's a post up four, post up five. So like, mm-hmm. so yeah, so yeah, that is going to come up because it's going to matter. But what I'm, what I'm building to is okay. Cox and Stevens, but those are two players that you're betting a lot on that would both be coming off like pretty significant foot injuries too. It's true. It's absolutely the case. And, and by the way, I just also will point out uh, they are very Brian Adler players in terms of where they operate on the floor, but injuries are a question. Injuries are absolutely a question, and you know maybe that's why it's good that you have two of them, and you have other people you can bring back. And I hope they bring Imani back uh, because she's somebody who can fill in with that time as well. Uh, Imani is somebody who can go pick the right situation 
and potentially really help a team. And they're going to need that depth in order to deal with growing pains, uh, not to mention injuries. But a lot of it comes back to, and I don't know if I asked this question before, but, you know, what is the plan? Yep. Yeah. I, I want to see Omani get a chance at a, a real defined role. Listen, um, if, if I were in New York, what I'd do is I would trade Tia Stotes and I would give Imani the opportunity to operate as, say, a third big alongside Han Shu uh, and Amanda Zowie B. Because they, they all do a lot of the same things and it allows you to continue that motion offense. It doesn't, if, if you're someone doing what Walt Hopkins is doing, I don't really understand the idea of bringing in a classic five instead of, you know, look, this is what we want to run on the floor at all times. Yeah. All right. On to our last team here, the Atlanta dream, another team probably pointing back to 2018, hoping they can get back to that point. Angel McCautry is unrestricted. She was not cord. Alex Bentley coming off a dreadful shooting season is unrestricted. Yeah. Elena Coates is reserved, possible backup big. They've got that number four pick. They, they need, they need shooting. I joked like earlier, like with Bonner, like just if you can do stuff on offense, like, yeah, the dream probably needs you. Mm-hmm. Um, they, but they already have, uh, they already have a bunch of slots locked in here. What do you, what's, what's the general approach here? Yeah. $767,720 committed of your 1.3 million, but that does, that leaves you space. You have a space, not just salary wise, but also, um, in terms of role, where Angel McCautry was, uh, you're right, a lot of it is Tiffany Hayes just needs to be healthy. You know, Tiffany Hayes is a, a star-level player, but she played through, I, I think, 11 different injuries last year. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, they need Renee Montgomery to play more like she did in 2018. Uh, they need Brittany Seitz to take another step forward. Uh, there's a lot of talent on this team, but I think they need – uh, shot creators, and I think they need shooters, period. And I, I think Kennedy Carter would be the best fit for them in the draft, uh, but an Allery would make a lot of sense. Allery does a lot of different things that they need offensively. Uh, I might look to move some of the log jam up front. I don't know that both Breland and Elizabeth Williams taking up 20% of your, I mean, let's say 18% just back of the envelope uh, in terms of salary in 2020 is the way you want to do this instead of finding a more versatile four or five. And we just talked about how Dallas has, you know, four or five of them. So that might be a way in which you make that happen. Uh, but yeah, fundamentally, shooting, scoring, Shakina Strickland, if New York would make Rebecca Allen available, go trade for Rebecca Allen. You know, the, there are players out there that they could potentially get. And Kalia Copper is another example. If you think she has an offensive ceiling greater than she showed last year, and I certainly do. I certainly see her as someone who could help them. Megan Gustafson is somebody who could go sign uh, and could give you a little more flexibility. I know it's weird. You know, it's important to think of Gustafson and the work she put in because she's not Mikey drills anymore. And uh, she's a lot more than that. Yeah. So this, what you brought up with, with the draft is interesting because, you know, that's the number one team where I'm just, you're rooting like hell 
that early entrance get come in this draft mm-hmm. to push to put to open up more doors for you. Now you mentioned Kennedy, which is interesting for them. Obviously, Satu was great with everyone. If those two go two and three, though, then that becomes that's you brought Allery. That becomes an interesting name for them to consider because what this team probably doesn't need is as as I do really like Lauren Cox, but I don't think they need another shot blocker that is iffy on offense right now. I, I agree. So I I think I think you can make an argument that Bella Allery's didn't have a better pro career than Lauren Cox. And I, I love Lauren Cox. And I, I think she's got a really bright future. I just think I think people are sleeping on Bella Allery even now. I thought it last year when people didn't talk about her as one of the elite players coming into 2020. And I am ever more certain of it. Um, that young woman knows exactly what she needs to do and how to get there. She spent her life preparing for this moment. She's going to be a player we have the pleasure of watching if she stays healthy for the next 15 years. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing, the thing with Atlanta too is, you know, Renee Montgomery, she, Renee just didn't make shots at the beginning of last year. And that's the one player you point to. Nobody, right. But they were, they were missing open shots. Alex Bentley. I mean, I, I just, Alex Bentley is a, is a skilled player and Alex Bentley just had the shooting slump to end all shooting slumps for the duration of the year. It was, it was mind-boggling. I covered them in person. I watched that Atlanta Dream up team up close. They were creating offense. They were creating the offense. They just weren't making shots. There's got to be some regression to the norm. But they spent all the 2019 waiting for that regression to the norm, and rightly so. Did you say, oh, this team was in the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever we're calling the semifinals uh, in 2018, and it just never happened. I was frustrated and I wasn't even on the team. I can't even imagine. Yeah. But, well, Renee is definitely on the other side of the line because you're not expecting her. She's not a, she's not a, she's a, she's a solid three point shooter. She's not, you know, oh, we hope she figures it out. Oh, yeah. So not that that would have a career, that, a career to fall back on. Exactly. Not that that would have saved their season by any means because, as you mentioned, Hayes was hurt. And the thing with Tiffany is, like, I think, I think they, Tiffany they lost is a bunch an of games by like a point or two too. I mean, like it might have saved their season. <laughs> yeah, the thing with Tiff, I think Tiffany is an offense. Give her the ball, get out of the way. No one can guard, stay in front of her. But they don't have, they don't right now. They don't have that team. Now, if you put Allery or Satu at the four, I think they're pretty close. You know, it also is. This is also kind of a prove it. This be perfect. You could build. Yeah. You could build that dreamer on defense and Satu. And Tiffany Hayes, and ah, that, that's a team that people are going to have trouble with. Yeah. This is a prove-it year for Brittany Sykes, mm-hmm. who had ample opportunity last year to just say, hey, I'm the new starting three. And she didn't do it on you, either side of the ball. She just, you could she argue wasn't last year was the prove-it year for her. I, I, I like Sykes a lot. I think she's, she's really talented. There's a lot going for Brittany Sykes, and she's also just a delightful human being who's overcome a lot in her career, but you're right. She didn't prove it last year and she's got to prove it this year. Yeah. And, and really Sykes and Bentley, you can draw a line with those two and with some of their shooting struggles, like they, those two like to shoot a lot of pull up twos and you have to be really good. Like it's not, don't like, you know, the people that rail on this, like don't read this the wrong way. Don't, you know, don't come in here like trying to like hammer me on this as being like anti two, like, if you make them fine, but like those two didn't make enough of them. And I think 
Bentley's a reasonable bounce back candidate, but if if you want to live on those, just only so many people can do that. Well, I think I think Sites is a reasonable bounce back candidate too. You you just look at she shot forty eight point seven percent from two in twenty eighteen, and she shot forty one point two percent from two in twenty nineteen, and that's that's a big big change. And so I hope what she's been doing in her off season. Listen, she works. Brittany Sites works, right? But what is she working on? I hope she's working on shooting first and foremost because she brings a lot of other skills to the table. But you're no one look. You have the argument about the value of the two, but no one's going to make the argument that there's value in a missed two. <laughs> no one can make that argument. Yeah. Well, and with Sykes too, because what she represents to them is she's someone who can really get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's where, that's where, you know, so with that, it's more of a thing of like with Bentley, it's like, yeah, just make your shots. Like there's, she hasn't, she can obviously be better than what she was with Sykes. It's, get to them more because very few people can do what she does and get to the line. That's, that's the dynamic that they need to introduce with her and, and make, and make enough for your spot of threes, because if she's going to play a lot with Tiffany, like those shots are going to be there. A thousand percent agree with everything you said. All right. So that's kind of our piece on Atlanta. My take Cazorla backup point guard, Nia coffee, a wing play a little bit of four. It's interesting. They've got Monique Billings, Marie Gulich, backup minutes but i mean you mentioned bonner with them earlier is there any other any other free agent you want to you want to throw out there as a possibility for them don't be surprised if they move on from marie gulich who i don't think did the things they wanted her to do as a backup five and there are some other bigs on the free agent market that they could potentially plug in or even draft later on uh, in this draft uh, with that opportunity. But think about Gustafson in that role. Wouldn't be a bad idea at all. Listen, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Kayla Alexander get an opportunity in a situation like that. Kayla Alexander, who's got a real bright basketball IQ. But by the way, it's a little bit of a difference in terms of size, but Glory Johnson plays bigger than she is. Glory Johnson wouldn't be a bad idea uh, to get those minutes as well if she's willing to come to Atlanta and shoot. You know, listen. Atlanta's lovely. Got a thriving art scene. And, you know, who wouldn't want to play for Nikki Collin, who's very much a player's coach? Yep, those would all be interesting names I, there, Gustafson. Steph Dolson would be – I mean, you could you could absolutely make a Twin Towers scenario with Steph Dolson and Elizabeth Williams work. Absolutely. It, I, I, guess, I guess I looked over that as a – possibility it's it's is that a situation where you fully move on from Breland in some form maybe maybe so just listen Breland is capable of shooting threes but extremely reluctant and Atlanta needs it for spacing so you have a number of different ways you could do it yeah reluctant reluctance a good word for it there'd be games where she'd take one above the break it's like oh it's here it comes it's gonna start and then it just wouldn't she's got the skill Jessica Breland's crazy talented I feel like Jessica Breland struggles to know how good she is all right that's great stuff from you howard any any other names on the board that we didn't really get to for any team any free agent out there that sticks out to you let's see i mean restricted free agents i think rachel bannum's going to draw some interest and should she is a flat-out scorer um i certainly 
would believe, I don't think Chelsea Gray is going anywhere, but she's a restricted free agent. I think you do anything you can to get one of the top 10 players in this league right now. I think Morgan Tuck can get into a situation where she helps some people. So I think that's really significant. Blake Dietrich is available and is shooting off the bench. Somebody ought to give her an opportunity as well. Um, let's not lose sight of Courtney Paris, one of the best rebounders in the history of the game for teams that need more rebounding. I think that's something to keep in mind as well. All right. And I can't, I can't forget before we go, our, uh, we got three listener questions to get oh, to. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So one from Sky Show. Oh, the I most. Love Sky Show. Love that. <laughs> Hi, fellas. <laughs> Who is the most impactful player to change teams? Most in fact, impactful player. If Dewana Bonner goes somewhere else, it's Dewana Bonner. It's got to be. Got to be. I agree that that's a pretty, that's a pretty easy choice. All right. From Bobby Mummery. Uh, this, is, this is really two heads of the same question. So whichever side you take, I'll take the other one. All right. Uh, one who is a free agent who can possibly get pride away with via a guarantee, which I think you can, we can kind of tie in with Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. With the, I've, I've called it the Dauntus maneuver where right. Atlanta had six guaranteed deals. Minnesota swooped in, offered one Atlanta would have had to dump somebody to accommodate that or who's someone on a guarantee who a team possibly has to try to move on to, to open up other doors. Well, Teresa Plaisance is on a guaranteed deal for 2020 in Connecticut, and she was not part of their playoff rotation. So in terms of the latter, uh, that's something that I think they're going to have to take a look at, especially relative to the players they're looking to extend this offseason as well. So, you know, there is certainly that. I'll I'll let you take the other side. Of of the available restricted free agents, I would say – um, you know, and, you know, as I said earlier, I think Stu knew like Chicago's just keyboard over costs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a restricted free agent I would point to is Bria Holmes in Connecticut. Oh, that's a great one. I think I, <clears throat> I think she was awesome last year. She got to the rim a ton for them. And while it remains a question, what's her real ceiling as a three point shooter? You play her some at the three, at the four. Mm-hmm. She's really she can be a really big wing. You can throw at a lot of different players to handle that defensive assignment. And if she's coming off the bench, like that's just it's a really valuable player. So I think that, and maybe as I mentioned earlier, maybe it's a one year. You know, if you do a one year max guaranteed now, I don't know if a team like Connecticut or Chicago in their position can really match that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you resign them later. I think that's an interesting idea. I'll throw something else at you, which is. I covered them throughout the playoffs, start to finish. She had the key moment in so many of those games. You'd bring her in in the second quarter, Kurt would use her, and she would get the key basket. She would get the big steal. Uh, I, I think very highly of her. She's still just 25. She's got a big a big future ahead of her, and she has the same birthday as my wife. So a lot of reasons why I'm very <laughs> high on Brianna Holmes. All right, and final question from Ben W., uh, he asked who the links are targeting. We hit on another link section. So yeah. his second question, who is the most underrated free agent who can make a big impact if signed to the right team? Oh, man. I mean, it might be Bria Holmes. It really might be. Um, you know, I think Kalia Copper has gone from underrated to appropriately rated now that we know that so many teams are uh, in on her as well. And I would definitely not 
rule out Angel McCautry having a big second act somewhere, but she's got to want it. Uh, my number one, though, for this answer is Lazer Clarendon. The idea that you can go pick up an Olympic point guard as a free agent this offseason and have her to run your team. Holy cow. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, well, and kind of tying in with your answer, if the, I, under the idea that, uh, Lasia might be a, a New York target, I'm going to say Bria Hartley because, like, like she's a combo, right? Like, she can do different things as a guard. She's not like a nominal, traditional point guard, although she did that in 17 for the Liberty when they had that big win streak. But, you know, a team, if you, if you kind of already know who your, your main stars are on the perimeter, you have people who are handling the ball. I think it's just, it's a, a, that's a valuable player to just plug them in off the bench, play a bunch of minutes, whether it's the one, it's the two, like, it's just a, it's a, it's an easy, easy player to, to fill a pretty big and kind of undefined role if you need her to. I just wish with Bria Hartley, who is delightful and delightful to be around, um, her teammates all love her as well. And so that's a not insignificant thing. Um, but she has not, and and we're at the point where she's entering her age 27 season. So I don't know if it's going to happen. She has not developed that one single skill, that carrying tool. In, in the parlance of the draft conversation. Um, she's not a hyper-efficient finisher at the rim. She's not a plus three-point shooter yet. She's not a plus distributor yet. Her turnover rate is a little too high. Her usage rate is a little high for the role that you're talking about. She has a ton of, she has a ton of tools, but the skills are, none of the skills have risen above lead average yet and maybe in the right role it happens but that's the one thing that gives me pause about her yeah and i agree and that might be that might be uh that might be part of the reason uh someone has a chance to go get her Mm -hmm. but this was a lot of fun thank you so much for doing this Uh thank you for the work you do from the database together likewise for everything and i want to give you a give you the parting shot here any any last thing even tangentially related to free agency to to take us out here it's going to start on february 10th and there's going to be a lot of action and there's a lot of reporters who are doing good work to try and break news in market and nationally and it shouldn't be any other way this is going to grow the game it is going to grow the game to have reporters making these calls and asking these questions and I'm here for all of it because I think it's really important. No question. Thank you all so much for listening. Please subscribe to Locked On Women's Basketball. Follow us on Twitter. Follow High Post Hoops for all of your free agency needs, college, WNBA season, everything in between. We will talk to you all next time.